You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Tech Fan 281, I'm Tim Robertson. I'm David Cohen. <laughs> so what did you just eat, you said? Uh, I, tortilla, uh, tortilla chips, crisps, we would call them here, with um, cinnamon on, dusted with cinnamon. Oh. And they were really good. <laughs> you like that, huh? Oh, well, I love cinnamon, so... Uh, and and I, now that I'm diabetic, I can't eat a lot of things with cinnamon in because they often have a lot of sugar in. But these had dusted with cinnamon, but not a lot of sugar, so I could have them, and they were excellent. So were they cooked, or were they just like regular no, tortilla? they just like a bag, in, in like in, in a bag of chips. Ah. No, they were just like that, okay. yeah. Hmm. So, um, like a snack. So what you do is you buy... Um, flour or corn tortillas hmm. whichever you prefer you get a uh, a pot of like vegetable oil mm-hmm. and get it extremely hot you use a pizza cutter and you cut up the tortilla shell into you know pointy things yeah like chips you drop them in the oil they'll swell up a little bit they'll cook Pull it out, put it on a paper towel or a napkin so the oil can dry off. But while it's still hot, you sprinkle it with the cinnamon sugar. Let it cool for a minute and enjoy. You're welcome. Uh, yeah, I would <laughs> certainly be doing that. <laughs> I, I've actually done it. It it works really well. Yeah. It's, uh, it's quite tasty. You can't eat too many of them, though. No. I, well, you can, but you die. So, you know, that's the drawback. I shall uh, I shall definitely be educating my son on a new recipe this weekend. <laughs> it's it's really easy. It really is. Yeah. You got to be careful with the little ones obviously around the hot, you know, yeah. boiling oil. It's it's not a good combination for little kids. But we, Go ahead. There is a there is a device you can buy over here. It's called a Tefal air fryer. Um, and it's designed for making fries most of the time. Uh, and what it does, you only put a teaspoon of oil in, and then it kind of it heats up the whole thing inside. And when it, what it effectively does is it vaporizes the oil, and then it rotates. And so it fries things, but without deep frying them in the oil. It means they, they don't take up as much oil. Um, I've been toying with the idea of getting one, um, and that might be the thing that tips me over the edge. Can they go, look, I can make cinnamon chips, and they won't be so bad for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're they're really tasty, and they're you know yeah. obviously they're really really fresh. So, yeah, they're it's it's dangerous though. Trust me, you you'll eat one and be like, oh, <laughs> why didn't anyone tell me about this in the last forty five forty six years? <laughs> so you uh, you you saw the new Harry Potter movie? It's fantastic piece. I don't want to do spoilers or anything. What'd you think? I really liked it. Yeah, I really, really. Liked it. I was, you know, I'd heard good things about it, and sometimes you hear that and you think, oh well, that's just marketing hype. But I was, um, I no, I did enjoy it. In fact, I thought it was better than the last couple of the Harry Potter movies. And and part of that is not not to diminish the Harry Potter movies, but obviously they were constrained by the fact the story had already been written. They had to try and work it, that story into a movie. Um, and that you can tell in certain places that imposed some constraints in terms of the pacing and that sort of thing where obviously this was designed to be a, a, even though it's starting off a franchise was a standalone movie um, and I think it was better for that plus it showed a completely new world 
um, which we've not seen before, a different time period and a different world um, in within the, the confines of, of the story, the, the, the world she's built of, of people who are magical. Um, I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. Uh, I, I really enjoyed it, yeah. That's awesome. But how did you find it? Uh, I found it good, not great. Uh, yeah. I didn't think it was better than any of the Harry Potter movies. No? No. Um, they didn't explore the characters enough. It was more about the situation. I, I don't feel like I really got to know any of the characters except for the one main character who's not even a magic user. That's the only one that I actually got a sense of who he really is. Um, the rest were just cardboard cutouts. And... Mm-hmm. uh it, the action was good, but there was way too many doing nothing, waiting for the next set piece to start. Don't get me wrong, I liked it. It was good. It wasn't great at all. Okay. That's, it's interesting that we have a different, both have a different view on that. Now, my kids loved it. Yeah. Cole and Brooke just loved it. Uh, and I believe Brittany said she liked it as well, and so did Rachel. So I'm the only one that... I liked it. Don't get me wrong, but yeah, I, mean, I found it I lacking. Think, I think I think you make a fair criticism about the depth of some of the characterizations, um, and I, I take that. There's, there's two aspects of that. First of all, this was the screenplay was written by J.K. Rowling herself, and she's not an experienced screenwriter, so it probably suffered a little bit for that. Um, I believe the director and some of his friends kind of polished the script, um, and I suspect that's where some of the kind of action piece you know uh, the pacing things where you go you know break action mm-hmm. break action probably came from because of, the, of their background uh you know it, it's a studio tentpole movie it's setting off a franchise um the studios take the view that action is what sells the things that's the stuff they put in the trailers so the talky stuff they're, they're less interested in i think the only thing that concerns me about it is not the movie itself it's the direction it goes in now because everything the studios and the, the creative people behind it are talking about is to take the um, overall story for the next movie into a different direction, um, which would almost make this one almost like a standalone piece. And I think that's disappointing because then we won't get the detail of the characters that you're you're asking for, because they'll go and start dealing with other characters. So yeah, that and I've had a. Some of the people that, um, when I posted almost exactly what I just said on, on Facebook, uh, one person said, yeah, but it's the first setting up the whole franchise. And I said, I understand that, except I paid money to see this movie, not the next three movies. I wanted right. a complete movie right now. And I just felt like they were just kind of s- setting the stage. And I, I didn't I want them to set the stage. I wanted to be engrossed in this movie. And I just, I never got there. Yeah, and certainly there are big tentpole movies that have um, set the stage for the next few movies while at the same time being, a, you know, um, in delving deeper into the main character. I mean, yep. the, the first Iron Man movie is a very good example of that. You came out of that knowing exactly who Tony Stark was, despite the fact that it was then leading into a whole load of other movies. Well, they were hoping it was going to, but they weren't sure. Yeah. If, if I, the first Iron Man would have failed you wouldn't have got the Marvel Universe that we have today. Mm-hmm. Of course, it was a roaring success. Um, you know what's funny about that is I was feeling a little bit nostalgic, and I was listening to some uh, of the very early geekiest show ever when, uh, you know, initially it was the MyMac crew, you, me, Guy, um, and then a couple guests like we had Rick Stringer on, 
yeah. uh, doing our favorite John Williams songs, for instance. That was one of my favorites. And But eventually that show morphed into Chad and I doing the podcast, like the original MyMac podcast, but it was, you know, geeky stuff. And I listened to three of those episodes, and one of them was um, talking about Iron Man 2. It was Chad and I reviewing Iron Man 2. And yeah. um, I liked it a whole lot better then than I do now. <laughs> yeah. uh, you're absolutely right. I, I really enjoyed Iron Man 2, but it has not stood up at all. It hasn't. Um, the characters probably, are a little flat. And yeah, it's probably... I, again, I think that... It's it's one of the bottom third Marvel movies at this point. Absolutely, I think I think that um, uh, what's his name who plays Tony Stark? Uh, I'm not going to tell blank, you. Blank, blanking on his name now. Um, R. D. Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Robert Downey. Yeah. I think I think Robert Downey Jr. did good work in that, and I think he brought the best performance he could to that script. But I think the overall script was very, very weak. Yeah, and I, um, you know, here's the funny thing: is we have fond memories of those Iron Man movies. I think only the first one was great. I think Iron Man Two was much weaker, and Iron Man Three didn't even it was it paled in comparison to even Iron Man Two. Um, I think those are some of the worst of the Marvel movies. And I won't say worst because I still enjoy them, but they're not very good. The worst, I think, of all the Marvel movies they've done so far that's in this shared universe at this point is the Hulk. It was just, it was just not good. Yeah, that I mean, I, I, it, it's almost vaguely part of the universe. That well, they, so they, well, other than and, yes and no, because obviously they had a different char- uh, actor playing Banner, and you never saw any of those characters again until the last one, which was Civil War, when. Thunderbolt Ross shows back up. Yeah, but that that was... I mean, he, he cameoed. Yeah, he, he's, so he's more Robert, than a cameo. Well, no, Robert... Um, what I'm saying is Robert Downey Jr. cameoed in the end of The Hulk. Yes, he did. Um, he comes into the bar so, when he says... So, that, so yeah. that, that's the only real tangible link to, yep. the, to the Marvel Universe at that point. Uh, and at the time, I remember thinking that was just fan service, really, because it was clear that the, the Hulk franchise wasn't going anywhere at that point after that movie. Um... So uh, I, I and it still hasn't. The Hulk is a much better character when he is an ensemble character. Hmm. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see how this next Thor movie plays out, where he's he's going to be much more center stage, even though he's not the uh, you know the banner. <laughs> Excuse the pun. Well, I, I think it's I think banner at this point on some of the movies, it's not just that character. You know, if they have an Iron Man 4, which I seriously doubt that they will, but if they do, it's not going to be just Tony Stark on another adventure. There's going to be other Marvel characters oh, in that yeah. movie. I mean, Civil War was a was a kind of a, an Avengers movie built around Captain, Captain America. America. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. it, it, it yeah. really is Avengers 2.5. Yeah, and, and which is the right thing to do. Absolutely. You can afford to do it because otherwise you get this bizarre situation where... Um, you're you're saying, well, why is why is this one superhero dealing with all this stuff on his own, and he's got all these super friends, and none of them are around? Exactly. No, I That's mean, exactly I mean right. Iron Man three really suffered from that. Is that you know he was part of the Avengers at that point, and he's going through hell. He absolutely went through hell in Iron Man three, and it's just like it's like Shield and the Avengers just didn't give a damn. 
Well, part of it, though, I, it, it, in some respects, it did make sense because the hell that he was going through was also mental because he was having a hard time coming to grasps with flying, flying through that wormhole in the first Avengers movie and detonating the nuke and then flying and falling back. I mean, that it, he was suffering from post-traumatic stress syndrome. And uh, that was part of Iron Man 3. It was a big part of it. He was having breakdowns. Yeah, but in the second one, he's he, he has a breakdown <laughs> of a different kind, and S.H.I.E.L.D. steps in and basically pulls him out of it. Yeah. <laughs> and yet in the third one, when he's much closer to them than, than he is in the second one, they, they're just not around. Yeah. So yep. it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't make sense. So it's better to do these as ensemble movies now. I agree. To a point. I don't, I don't want it to be Avengers every one, but like Spider-Man, for instance, I totally want to see Tony Stark in that movie. Yeah. I don't need to see Captain America and Black Panther and I, I, the Vision. I don't need to see all them. No. So anyways, the, the last movie that's really coming up for us that I know you're looking forward to uh, as much as I am is Rogue One. I am. I I'm purposely at this point avoiding anything online about it. You know, I have been for the last six, seven months. I'm. You know, I love reading slash film and things like that. But, yep. uh, you know, there is so much kind of navel gazing about all of this stuff now that it it destroys these movies for me. So I, I if there's anything I think I'm going to want to see. Um, I basically start skipping. I mean, Sasha, for instance, does a Star Wars bits every few days where they, they round up all the latest Star Wars news. I don't want to read it. Yeah, I'm with you. No? I, I want to go into the movie and be surprised. And I want to I, I want to go into Rogue One. I want to sit down. I want to watch the preview movies, which I'm kind of expecting Episode 8 to have a preview in there. That's where we're going to see the first trailer for that movie. Um, and then I want to be entertained by a the very first well not actually it's not the very first but it is with live actors the very first standalone star wars movie mm. because they're they've already said this is not the start of a different franchise or anything this is this is it this is rogue one it's specifically about a movie of getting the plans for the death star which sets up a new hope that's what it's about they say that now if it does absolute gangbusters business, you're going to see these characters again. Oh, I don't think you're not. I, I totally agree. I think you will see some of these characters again, but it's not going to be Rogue One Two or Rogue Two or no, anything like I, that. I, yeah, they, they won't. They won't put that name on it. No. Um, I mean, the other thing is, is you know, I hope this isn't for anyone. This isn't a potential spoiler here. Is to say that the the setup of this movie is a war movie. I'm expecting quite a lot of these people not to walk away at the end i do too i agree i in fact if they all walk away unscathed it'll be somewhat of a letdown yeah you know there you have to have consequences to set up the the severity of what the death star is and what it does to alderaan and and really that was always to me was one of the narrative weaknesses of the star wars movies is that um you know, you have this group of people and they go through all this stuff and, and they're supposed to be fighting the most evil empire there's ever been with, with you know, mystical forces behind it and everything. And and yet they all survive. They all, you know, laugh and joke their way through. Well, not only that, you never really see the evilness of the empire. You really right. don't. What did they do in any of those movies that were so terrible? Other than kill 
Baru and, and Uncle well, Ben. They did, they did blow up an entire planet. But you don't see that. Not really. You see the planet get... Ex- but you don't You don't see a, uh, from the ground. You don't yeah, see children it's... playing in a park, and then that, they're just vaporized. Uh, I mean, you don't level, feel the yeah. horror. I mean, I suppose part of that criticism is is perhaps looking it back with modern eyes because oh sure absolutely I don't, I, you know, films films absolutely in the 70s, unless they were you know like um like taxi driver or, or pretty baby or something like that they weren't gritty like that no and <laughs> and know, i would so not expect it to sci-fi movies weren't gritty like that to actually show the anguish and the pain right um you know they were meant to be like saturday saturday morning serials and, right and that but i want to see why the empire is a bad place why these rebels are not just sandinista rebels they are uh, there's a huge reason for the entire galaxy that they're fighting what are they fighting for what are they going against from what i saw the trailers i think they're going to do a pretty good job of showing the intimidation of the empire it it looks it looks good i hope so yeah i hope so in in some respects i hope they don't do it too much though because Again, something I always felt was a bit weak was if the Empire's so bad, why is this only this small team of ragtag rebels? Why isn't everybody joining up? You know, but um, I don't know. It's uh, I- I'm looking forward to it. We've got what another week and a half, two weeks. Now, last year, if you recall, I was I was traveling away when. Yeah. Um, when um, when Star Wars came out, and I actually went to see the first screening at midnight, so maybe I'll because I'll probably be in London when this comes out. Um, so maybe I'll make that a bit of a tradition and do that again this year. It's going to be really hard for me to wait. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, I, I'm just jonesing to see this movie, and I know the kids are too. But was that was that a pun? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, for anyone who doesn't know, there's a. English actor called Felicity Jones is leading in Rogue One. It looks uh, it looks good. I, I I'm really looking forward to it. Let's uh, let's jump back into something we discussed last week, and your challenge that you gave to yourself was: Could you use an older Mac laptop, a Power PC, for a week? Yep. Did you actually do it? I did. And? So, let me set the scene for you. I thought if I'm going to do this, if you're going to go for it, let's go large. So, I used a 17-inch PowerPoint as the um, the most recent model of the power of the 17-inch PowerBook that was made before they discontinued them. So, this was the 1.67 gigahertz. Um, the machine I was using actually had 2 gigs of RAM and the uprated screen. So, it's the equivalent of a of a uh, 20-inch Apple Cinema display and resolution. Yeah. Um, with, uh, I think this one had a 120-gig drive in, but a, a spinning drive doesn't have SSD because it's very difficult to fit SSDs to a uh, an older laptop. Um, yeah, that, to, to be honest, what was interesting to me is that um, I, I used this, and I did, it, I did it properly. I did not have another computer with me. I had my iPad Pro with me in case... I needed it for something I couldn't do on the on the PowerBook, but actually I found that I managed okay. Really? And um, and I was working. I was working away. I'm working for the government at the moment, um, and the work I'm doing is mainly technical document review and um, meetings associated with that and contracts and things like that. So an awful lot of reviewing very big Word documents, 
um, I need to be able to use um, Huddle, which is our document management system. So that's all web-based. That's a cloud-based service. Um, I need to be able to use uh, Salesforce.com, which is our timesheeting and, and project management system. So that's another web-based cloud service. Um, I need to be able to do all of this securely because this is a government project, so everything has to be encrypted and managed like that. Um, I need to be able to do, obviously, uh, connect to our exchange email system and that sort of thing. So, you know, a pretty typical office-based setup. Um, and, yeah, I found that with a little bit of work and a fair amount of waiting, because it's not the fastest machine in the world, I was able to work pretty well. Um, the key things that I that I had to do, the, one of the weak, acknowledged weaknesses by people who, who still use PowerPC Max um, in today's age is the web. The um, web has really come along a lot. It does a lot of background stuff that you don't notice on these modern machines. A lot of JavaScript running in the background on the browsers. Um, there's all these different assets coming from all different places. And one thing that a, a single processor, PowerPC Mac, is not good at is multitasking. No. Um, and so anything that requires any sort of multitasking or multithreading really can bog the machine down. So the web browser can be a real problem. And obviously it doesn't run – it won't run Chrome – um, it won't run any modern web browser. You're kind of stuck with Safari or there's a, a version of Firefox called 10.4 Fox that's been optimized to run on PowerPC. So it, it's fairly modern in terms of what it supports, but it's not very quick. So um, what I ended up doing, actually, somebody had somebody has recompiled a later version of WebKit to run on PowerPC. And you could put that on this machine, and then the Safari that was on there was effectively running a far more modern version of WebKit, so you got better support. And I found that was the best-performing browser I had. And that I, I don't think I, I counted anything that didn't work at all. Um, there were a couple of things that were a little bit slow, but I was able to do to my timesheets, including uploading expense receipts and stuff like that. I did all of that on that machine, um, which was something that was important for me to do. I was able to access the Huddle document management system. The only weakness I found in the browser, apart from sort of general speed and performance, was um, the uh, the old version of Safari basically won't run any modern plugins. So anything that helps you do things like I use LastPass for my passwords and stuff like that, I had to do all of those manually because I couldn't get the plugin to work in in Safari. Um, I couldn't get um, uh, I was able to find an ad blocker that support that, that was supported, but I couldn't get anything else to work. Huddle, for instance, has a plugin that allows you to. Um, open documents directly from the cloud into Word that I wasn't able to get that running or anything like that. But that was really the only thing that kind of tripped me up. Everything else I wanted to do and I was able to do. It ran, I was using Office 2008. Um, that was fine. It, it opens modern documents, no problem. I had some pretty large documents, a 500-page document with tracking in it. Um, and, it, you know, it might take two, three minutes to load up, but once it was loaded, it worked fine. I was able to save amendments to that and save them back, and I didn't get any complaints or anybody saying, what have you done to my document? So that worked okay. Um, email, I was able to run Entourage, which is part of Office 2008. I had to find an odd patch to get that working with uh, a cloud-based exchange system like Office 365. Uh, and slightly annoyingly, Microsoft has all the patches available, or it did have, in their knowledge base, but it doesn't let they, they've moved all the downloads and they, you can't download them direct anymore from Microsoft. Um, so I had to kind of do a bit of searching around the web last weekend to find the little patch I needed to make that work. But once I got that going, I was able to um, connect that to Office 365 and get my corporate email 
um, in a local client on the machine. And, uh, you know, yeah, as I say, it, it was okay. The, the great thing about it is the 17-inch PowerBook is a, you know, this sort of top-end machine. It's still a fine computer, loads of ports, lovely great big screen and most people the people saw me using it nobody said oh why what's that old computer everyone assumed it was a modern one really um yeah i didn't find uh, unless there was there was a couple of people who know apple inside out who recognized that it wasn't the most recent one but most people even who approached me about that were very surprised when i told them that it was a 11 year old power pc machine um so so yeah it it was manageable it wasn't pleasant I would say, in that, you know, everything was so much slower than you're used to on a modern dual-core. I mean, you think about it, you know, the laptop I'm sat in front of here now is a dual-core machine, so it can do multiple things standing on its head. And you really notice the difference when you go back to a single-core system, especially one that's so slow. Yeah. Um, and also, <clears throat> even though I, I was run, only running Lion, which was, uh, sorry, um, Leopard, which was the latest 10.5 Leopard, which is the latest OS that would run on that machine. Um, so its memory footprint is a lot lower but the machine itself only has two gigs of RAM. That's the maximum it will take. And you kind of butt up against that very quickly nowadays. Yeah. You kind of notice that because obviously once it starts hitting the disk, everything slows down. So I saw I saw a lot of beach balls, I'll be honest. Um, and I had to do a little bit of waiting around for things to happen. But it, it, was, it was usable at a pinch. And it was an interesting experiment to say that you can take a Mac that that's old and you can actually do stuff with it today. And it, um, you know, it works. And if you if you did the same experiment with the learn your old Windows laptop, I suspect you would find it wouldn't work. It'd be so, interesting to try it with a Windows laptop to see if let's see that would be running what uh, XP. Yeah, it would be XP from from that that period. Yeah, so, I don't know. I it, it would be interesting. Yeah, eleven years. No, that would be Vista, wouldn't it? Uh, when I think it's, I think it would be right on the cusp there. I'm so not sure when. Yeah, this is a the, the PowerBook I was using was 2005. No, so, Vista wasn't out uh, yet. Yeah, the, uh, Vista came out at the end of 2006 and became generally available at the beginning of 2007. So it would be XP. Yep, it'd still be XP. Interesting. Yeah. And XP, of course, is the consumer version of Windows NT, which personally I think up until Windows 10 was the best version of uh, Windows. Yeah. So the equivalent, um, hmm. equivalent piece, laptop PC would be a um, probably one of those Centrino Pentium machines because they, they again this is before dual core Intel's because the first dual core Intel's were the MacBook Pros. So uh, yeah, we'd be looking at like a 1.6 maybe 1.8 gigahertz Centrino machine um, with a couple of gigs of RAM maybe. I'll I'll look into getting hold of one of those and maybe trying the same experiment again. I might not be able to do that for my government client, though, because I suspect if I walked in there with a laptop running XP, um, people would kind of lose it because XP has a very, very weak security reputation. Well, I'm, I'm just trying to do a Google search. Top Windows laptop from 2005. And everything is 2016, every single thing on here. Except for, can you upgrade an old XP PC to Windows Seven? Ugh. Yeah. yeah, it's. I don't. I don't know why. How about top Mac oh, hey. laptops? Uh, hey, hang on. I know. I've, I've got. I've got something here. Um, an old Robert Scoble piece. 
that says the best laptop of 2005. Markel Gartenberg thinks the best laptop of the year is the Lenovo X41. So Lenovo X forty one, yeah, X forty one. That was a that was a ThinkPad. Uh, yeah, it was. Hmm. Uh, yeah, Pentium M seven five eight one point five gigahertz with five twelve meg of RAM and a forty gig hard drive. Let's see how much one of those are going for on eBay right now. Best, I bet less than I paid for the Mac for the uh, PowerBook. Uh, Lenovo ThinkPad X41 convertible tablet uh, laptop $64.99 Somebody's got one for 119 but you get three of them <laughs> um, one for 129 one for 53 so yeah you can get a pretty cheap you can buy pieces for next to nothing of it yeah there's quite so a bit I'm on here for it I might might try might well try one of those because uh, you know I think bad that was kind of an equivalent business laptop of the day. Um, that might be might be an interesting experiment to see. Wow, what a piece of junk that thing looked like! It had stickers <laughs> all over it. Wow, it's an IBM that... ThinkPad. It had the Windows logo. It had the Pentium logo. Um, let's see, one point six eight gigahertz uh, Pentium M processor. Yeah, as I say, was the Centrino branded processor. Had one meg of or one gig of RAM. Oh, this this thing would be a dog today. And it looks ter- It looks like a really cheap uh, iPad keyboard. <laughs> well, you know what? ThinkPad keyboards are always very well regarded. So um, uh, maybe, but it looks like a cheap, like one of the ones that you would slide an iPad into that you would get at a a convenience store for. Fourteen ninety nine while you're traveling. Oh. That's what it looks like. Yeah, be interesting though. Okay. Uh, well, that, that's uh, maybe a project for the new year. Yeah, maybe. Uh, it's. Um, I like these retro challenges. They're fun. They are. Absolutely. I like hearing about them. So let's take a quick break, and uh, David and I will be right back. Everybody, please stand by to stand by, and uh, well. We'll be right back. And welcome, everyone, back to the MyMac.com podcast. All right, so 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 let's um, let's carry on. But I'm still laughing about something that happened just before we started recording, and we're going to talk about that right now. I don't know if you you heard, guy, but Sal <laughs> Sal Segoin, did you know that? Yeah, I heard that. <laughs> He's leaving Apple. <laughs> It's a tragedy for everybody. <laughs> oh dear, this is not going well, is it? We are so childish. We, we are. Really are. It's the G-Men on the MyMac.com podcast. Back here on TechFan 281, Tim Robertson, that's me, David Cohen, that's him. And our sponsor this week is MacSales.com. David, you know, I can tell you from experience, Brooke keeps breaking headphones. Right. We give her headphones, and they don't last more than a month and a half, even real nice ones. So the last pair of headphones I gave her were uh, Apple EarPods with the mic, Yeah. and they were brand new. I mean, they had never been taken out of the little sleeve. 
I don't know what they originally came with. It had to have been an iPhone because it has a microphone built in. But, you know, those things to buy new are 30 bucks. Well, she just broke these. So she was listening to her music by holding up the iPhone to her ear so nobody else could hear it. Um, but she still could. She wants another pair of headphones now. And I just, until she can learn, well, number one, until she buys her own and yeah. loses her own money, I'm not going to spend a lot of money on headphones for her. I'm just not. I refuse. Yeah. And yeah. I keep warning her, you, I'm not going to keep buying you headphones. Well, MaxSales.com right now has their stocking stuffer sale going on for the holidays. They have uh, Apple EarPods with remote and, remote and mic, bulk package, Apple Genuine headphones, right now for $8.75. That's such a good deal, it says limit five. Mm. So yeah. for less than 10 bucks, she can get pretty decent sounding ear pods. Now you can get, you know, I can hear people shouting, oh, you can pick up all sorts of pairs of headphones for that sort of money. Well, you can, but you, you can't deny that Apple stuff is tends to be a little bit better put together than um, your typical cheap of sub $10, typical pair of sub $10 cheap headphones. Exactly. And yeah. we, we know what these sound like. And also, you're getting the remote and the mic built in, which most cheap headphones you don't get. Exactly. So, I think that's a really good price, to be quite honest. Yeah. And that's the thing. They have the stocking stuff for sale going on right now. They have some really cool stuff at really, really, really good prices. Um, so, so it's limit of five for those. So, what you need to do is buy five pairs and keep them in a drawer for when she breaks them. Yeah, that's true. But <laughs> that's still spending fifty bucks at that point. Yeah. And I'm not I'm not spending fifty bucks for headphones for her. I'm just I'm not going to do it. Do they have coal mining where you live? Because if you send her down the mine, that's good money. It is. And she <laughs> but she needs noise canceling headphones working in a mine like that. Right. Fair you enough. know, it's yeah. it's one of those things. <laughs> I'm just kinda of scrolling down their page. They got some they got an eighty five watt uh Apple MagSafe two AC power adapter, the 60 watt for 45 bucks. That's a good price. That's regular 80 bucks right there. Yep. Uh, and they got a 45 watt, a 60 watt, all the same price, $45. So if your cord on your MacBook Pro is getting frayed, here you go, 45 bucks. I I, I see those all the time. They're frayed. What I I actually see it right at the top of this page. I really like this the the USB three hub for the iMac. Yeah, that that projects the port to the front of the iMac, so mm -hmm. you don't have to go reaching around behind. Yep, it's kind of um, got a little it, L thing going on, so it plugs into yeah. one of the USB ports. It's thin, so it's not gonna, you know, it's it's not bulky. But then it hangs low, so you've got four ports right yeah. there. It just clips onto the front display. That's pretty cool. It's I don't have an iMac there. anymore. If I did, I would totally be in for that. That's pretty cool. Yeah. It's called a very cool USB three hub for all. Apple IMAX 2012 and to current. So that is kind of cool. I will put a link into the sale page for those who uh, who want to save some good money on uh, on some really good products. I mean, there's some really cool stuff on here at, at fantastic prices. Now, can I ask a point of order here? As Absolutely. A, as, a, as an Englishman talking to an American, because this, this phrase, stocking stuffer, has spread over the Internet since the internet became a thing um and over here in britain we don't really understand what it means because 
stocking stuffer to me sounds like something you put in a stocking and traditionally in Britain the stuff you put in stock in a stocking is cheap you know it's the, the stuff you leave at the, for the it's the cheap stuff you leave at the, at the end of the kid's bed rather than the main present you get the stuff on here which is stocking stuffer that's six hundred dollars eight hundred forty five dollars so what what does it mean stocking stuffer well stocking stuffer is it means the same thing here as it does there uh you have your uh what do you call it your stocking they're mm-hmm. bigger they're not ones that you actually put on your feet you could put the average holiday child stocking on a, your foot over a boot that's how big it is uh, yeah and the point is to fill it up with not the expensive stuff, obviously, uh, maybe some candy, uh, some little treats, but maybe a little surprise or two in there as well. Now, generally and genuinely, too many companies call a sale a stocking stuffer sale, and they put things in there that you're not going to put the OWC Mercury Pro optical Blu-ray player in a stocking. It has to be a really big stocking. For a 24 and a half inch quad core iMac? It'd, it'd be a huge stocking. <laughs> but it's just the name of the sale. There are things yeah. on here that you could put in a stocking. But I was just checking in if culturally I was missing something by the fact that most of it was little tchotchkes, but then you had to put one big expensive thing in there. No, nope. <laughs> no, it's usually almost all little tchotchke stuff. It's, okay. it's not the expensive stuff. Um, but, you know, it, it, I think that they use that at this point as it's it's for the holidays it's yeah yeah okay yeah so anyways uh we did get some feedback uh scott on twitter uh sent a a message and he says glad i'm not the only one who feels that way about guy kawasaki he definitely erred towards style over substance in my opinion uh yeah Uh, what he's referring to is when you know, we were reading the old letter page uh, from my Mac magazine from 20 years ago, and I was kind of a little critical about the evangelism that Guy Kawasaki was promoting at the time. And yeah. it was, I always thought, and I was a member of his evangelist email list, so I saw the email, so I, I don't speak out of ignorance. I always thought he was a little too fanatical. That there was a time and a place to kind of set the record straight with ignorant journalists. But he was sending people out on crusades to, you know, virtually attack these people. And I never agreed with Now, he denies that to this day. He says that's not what he did. And when things got a little overzealous on some of his followers, he always tried to pull back a little bit. But not really. He He can deny it all he wants. I was there. I lived through it. I was a, I was in the media at the time. I know exactly what he did. I know why he did it. I know where the marching orders came from, and he was overzealous. And and that criticism of people who like Apple that it lingers. It's going. It's fine. It's still it's here. Starting, it's starting to go away a little bit. Yeah. Then it, so what, four or five years ago, probably it reached peak. Um, probably maybe two, three years before before Steve Jobs passed away. But that whole, you know, Church of Steve Jobs, Cult of Mac stuff that was the shorthand for anybody who was into Apple. Yep. Um, that's directly where it came from. That's exactly where it came from. Yeah. And and even to that, I mean, even the criticisms you and I have made of Apple over the last couple of weeks with this last laptop things, 
one of the reasons that people get so upset is because because of the way Apple has engaged with its um, with its users in the past is we expect more of them than a general company. Yep. Um, so the backlash, the criticisms, their uh, need to constantly react to those sorts of things, all of that stems back to this stuff that happened back then. And look, they they couldn't see twenty twenty years in the future what was gonna what was gonna be um, how that was gonna come back and and potentially kick them in the ass. They were you know they were struggling for their lives at that point. Um, but you know they they had a they had a great idea evangelize about the platform and um, they kind of took it and then it it kind of span out of their control. That's exactly right, and I think that Guy Kawasaki he did what he was supposed to do, and he was paid very well to do it. And his list of people following him was huge. Yeah. I mean, PR companies would have just loved to get their hands on that list. But it wasn't always the right thing to do, and I think he exhibited extremely poor judgment time after time after time. And that's why when I see, well, I don't anymore, but when I would see him at events and stuff, people go, oh, look, there's Guy Kawasaki. I don't care. I don't want to go over and meet him. Uh, I, I did an interview with him. Uh, once or twice, we had him in my Mac magazine a couple times, but I don't have a lot of respect for the guy. His accomplishments, fine, but not his accomplishments as an evangelist. I think he took it too far, and he hurt more than he helped. Hmm. I guess you know if you're pay- being paid to do that, the last thing you want to be accused of by your employer is by not being loud enough, not being vocal enough, not being enthusiastic enough. So it's a very, uh, you know, to to give him some credit, I imagine it's a very tough line to walk, but um, the difficulty you've got is you haven't got good people around you giving you perspective, then I think it's very easy to spiral out of control. I think that's kind of what it did for a while with him. I agree, yeah. So anyways, uh, thanks very much for the feedback, Scott. Donnie uh, sent uh, uh, some feedback on the last episode, directly related to our earlier topic on the Retro Challenge. Yeah. He said, uh, hey guys, I have to comment on Davis Retro Challenge. I'm going to guess it didn't go as well as expecting, depending on the apps. Here's why. Tonight I was in my basement and wanted to watch a show over an app that needed provider authorization. I didn't feel like running upstairs for the iPad and I remembered an old G4 iBook I had in the basement. I plugged this in, powered it up and opened Safari. I went to the authorization website and everything came to a complete stop. The website loaded and then the browser went blank. After numerous tries it finally came up but when I went to the Verizon login page I couldn't get it to load. I ended up watching something else. While the G4 iBook might be okay for a typing machine in Apple Works or Pages, not sure what is on there, it definitely has its limits in being useful, especially when it comes to the internet and being able to load today's websites. And and yeah, as I was saying before, I you know I agree. You you have to make special provision to get the web working well on a PowerBook, um, and that's that's something I had to do. Having said that, I think looking to stream video to a um, 11 year old computer is is never going to be a great experience they just weren't designed to handle the sort of bandwidth that we have to deal with nowadays and and you've got to remember that you know we 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 throw video around left right with abandon nowadays but we're all using computers with incredibly optimized gpus that kind of do all of that in hardware and powerbooks 
old computers didn't have that. They had to do it all in software, and it's incredibly complex to take a, an MP4 file and then render it at high definition or something like that. It's just really, really hard. And, yeah, if you, if you want to be doing any sort of video or streaming or rely really hard on the web for that sort of stuff, then um, an old computer like that is not for you. Absolutely, yeah. And I, I some of these websites, though, especially Verizon, Comcast, that you have to kind of sign in to watch content, a lot of those are using Flash. And if you're not using the latest, greatest version of Flash, it just won't work. Comcast is especially guilty of that, and I, I hate it. I wish there was someone I could talk to and say, stop freaking using Flash. Everyone is moving away from Flash, and you're, like, doubling down on this crappy technology. I, yeah. I don't get it. Um, oh, what is it? So I was talking about retro, and this isn't really retro, but kind of. Um, you remember, I don't know, two months ago, I got my hands on a 17-inch MacBook Pro. It's a early 2008 um what is this here it's a 2.6 gigahertz intel core 2 duo four gigs of ram and uh it had a swollen battery in it that's right it's one of the early unibodies that isn't it uh yeah um is this considered an early uh, unibody? No, I don't think this is a unibody well it's not not a unibody is it no so that, that would be the last of the of the old style of yes before they switched to unibody okay so i you know as i discussed a couple months back i put a brand new battery in it which man lasts forever i mean it's a really good battery and i also put in a uh 120 gigabyte owc ssd in it that i had that i Mm -hmm. literally wasn't using for anything came out of another laptop that died and I put a, a El Capitan on there and, you know, just a clean install, signed into my Apple account. And it's basically been plugged in just sitting there on my shelf all this time. A couple right. days ago, I was watching something in the living room and I decided I wanted to uh, possibly do a little typing while I was sitting in a little writing. So I grabbed that machine. It's the first time I've done anything with it. And I ended up just browsing the Internet and stuff. I tell you what. That machine is really peppy. It's really fast. Yep. Opening up windows, uh, loading websites, everything is just extremely fast on it. I was kind of surprised about how good it really is. It's only a Core 2 Duo, but, man, this thing is fast. I like it a lot. So so here's the thing. I think that generation of machine, round about that time, 2008, is when we reached that tipping point where for 90% of what you wanted to do, the processor was enough. Yep. You had two cores in there. They're running at, at you know over two gigahertz. Um, all sorts of optimizations and stuff on there as well. Um, you put an SSD in there, so you, you're not constrained by the hard drive. Um, four gigs of RAM is enough for most for most sort of low end things. Uh, and then you, you've effectively got the perfect computer. Everything that's been done by Intel since then has been about doing that or bringing in more, more performance for less power consumption. Yeah. It's, that's what it's been. In terms of raw processing power, yes, you can get more. Yes, new machines are faster, but that's because various bits and pieces of the system are being optimized. Yeah, for multiple cores. The, yeah, 
exactly. But the the the, the stuff in the cores is not has not changed a huge amount since that day. Yeah. So you know that that I think is really is an op- optimal point. I have a, a machine. I've got a 15 inch MacBook Pro that's um, it's a, a, the early unibody, so it's pretty much the same generation as that, just very slightly faster internals. Um, and again, yeah, stick an SSD and plenty of RAM in there, uh, and that's a pretty good computer. I tell you, I, I'm the thing that impressed me the most was I'm used to the 15-inch MacBook uh, MacBook Pro screen and the 27-inch external display that I have hooked up to it when I'm at my yeah. desk, but a 17-inch laptop sitting in your lap in the living room is huge that is a huge huge screen i'm like man this screen is massive this is it you know i I told you people didn't notice this 17 inch power book i was using was an old computer but what they all pretty much as a man said to me they when they when they looked at it they would look around it and they would go wow that's a big computer yeah that, wow, that's that screen. screen. That's what they I, noticed. You know, I I always I always had a soft spot for the 17-inch models. Oh, I do too. Um, you know, I I really. It's a shame they don't make them anymore. Um, and uh, if if I wasn't basically hulking my computer back down to to London and back every week, so I'm spending a lot of time with the thing on my back, um, I really would be tempted to uh, to run a 17-inch. But, um, you know, the problem is you've got to carry it. And it's not the computer. They, 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 for, for how big they are, they're really not that heavy. Right. But the problem is it's all the other stuff you end up carrying. Uh, and it's bulky, you know? though. I mean, it takes yeah. a lot. of This computer does take a lot of space in a, in a backpack or a, a yeah, computer if case. Have, if you have the right but I have a backpack that I got at the last trade show I, was, I went to um, from VMworld. And, it, and basically the space for the laptop is a separate compartment right at the back of it, just behind the straps. Yep. And if you, the 17-inch PowerBook in there felt really good because it was right against your back. Right. Um, and right against the cushioning. So it wasn't kind of forced at a strange angle into your back or anything like that. It was straight, and also it was independent from everything else in the backpack, so there wasn't stuff poking into it and everything. And that was okay. So bulk-wise, that was all right. But, the you know, the problem is the weight. <laughs> you know, that, that thing weighs nearly eight pounds. That's and that, heavy. That's, that's heavy when you. And the problem is, yeah, if it was just that, I could manage it perfectly fine. That, but that, that's a newborn on your back. Yeah, it is. But then you've also got you've got the power supply, which is you know fairly heavy, and then you've got cables, and you've got yep. you've got papers and stuff with you, and and you might have an iPad or something like that, and you know all of that stuff. It all adds up, and before you know it, you're you've got a pretty hefty pack. Yep. Oh, I just realized I haven't plugged in my Kindle Fire in a while. You know, I, I've got, well, I should say I had three Kindle Fires. Uh, I had the first generation and then the last two, right? Because mm-hmm. Amazon kept sending these to me. They didn't send me the new one because I don't think they really did much of an update, so they they weren't really looking for a new review. <laughs> yeah. But I still kind of wanted one. Um, there was a guy where I work. I was mentioning to somebody else that uh, I was thinking about getting rid of one of my fires because I just... I never use them, and they're just sitting there. Yeah. And he is not a tech person at all. And he said he might be interested in one because he had never owned a tablet, and he was always curious. So I took my first-generation Kindle Fire, which is practically brand new as far as appearance and performance. I mean, it's it works great. It's, it's got a good screen. It's, it's still a good tablet, especially if you're living in Amazon's ecosystem. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just gave it to him. Yeah, yeah. I, it's, it was literally the the only thing I was doing for the last three years with it is plugging in occasionally, to keep it charged. That was it. 
Yeah. So I just gave it to the guy. He was uh, yeah. he was very happy. I, I I often give stuff away. Basically, if if somebody has a need for it, and I I don't think that it's going to financially cost me too much to do that, I'd rather give somebody something to somebody rather I agree. than say, oh, I'm not going to give it to them, but I'm going to go and sell it on eBay. You know, I. Well, that's the same uh, thing. Much do. Yeah. Well, yeah. The dif- the difference is, you know, obviously you're you're losing out the money. Well, if you're, not sell- if you're not selling it to them, you know, and I but, did uh, buy my first Kindle Fire because I, I remember. Uh, I was still at Mac Specialist at the time when Amazon announced the Fire, and they were scarce. You could not get that first Kindle Fire anywhere. I mean, they sold like hotcakes, but I got my hands on one. So I actually bought it. I think it was 120 bucks or something. I can't remember yeah. now. Um, so I actually spent my own money for that. That wasn't something that Amazon sent me. Um, but I still, I, I didn't need it. There was no... No, exactly, yeah. So uh, Interestingly enough, the... Um Black Friday sales they had they had here last week. The um, they really aggressively cut the price of their Fire tablet. The yeah, they did here seven, too. Cheap seven inch one. It was thirty pounds here. Was it thirty dollars? Yeah, stores? it was. Yeah, it was that crazy. Is, that's a deal. That's a smoking deal. Because they yeah. were good. They're uh, they're nice yeah. little tablets. I don't look. I love my iPad. Don't get me wrong. I'm not getting rid of that anytime soon. Yeah. But if I had to, if if both my iPads stopped working, I broke them both. And it's going to be a couple months before I can get a replacement. Could I live with the Kindles? Yes, I absolutely, oh, absolutely. could. Yeah, and and no, look, this is what I find interesting about talking about this stuff that's at the low end, and and also old PCs and everything as well. Is is you know, it's it's very easy for those of us who who kind of into into gadgets and technology and that sort of thing, and and have been for a long time and have accumulated a lot of stuff, is to remember that that. You know, for a lot of people, this stuff is is very very expensive um, in terms of of how it fits within their budget. And you know, they want they want to get access to the same things that other people get, but they don't necessarily have the money to go out and buy the latest and greatest. I mean, heck, I don't have the money to go out and buy a new um, a MacBook Pro at the price they've come out this time. No. Um, and in fact, I was talking to somebody about this the other day. I, we were we were talking about the PowerBook, and I said, you know what? Actually, the last new apple laptop i purchased was probably about f- five six years ago i think it was an 11 inch macbook air mm-hmm. we still got my son has it now but that was the last time i bought a new laptop from apple and you know since then i've i've bought used ones just because they are very expensive and i recognize that so for a lot of people you know um they they can't afford to have a, an ipad so the the kindle it, what's good about the kindle um, not it's called the Fire now, isn't it? Yeah, Kindle Fire. What's good about that seven-inch tablet is that we've used it. We've used all of these things, and we go, you know what? For the money, this is actually a very good deal because it's focuses on the right areas. It's not junk. You can buy three of them compared to a new iPad. Yeah, and I mean I that's say, hard to argue with. They're not junk. It's not like you're really no. cutting off your nose for the little. No, little absolutely cost. not. Yeah. I, you know, I forget sometimes how good they are. Occasionally, I'll pull out the last generation one. Just flip it over or flip it open. It, it immediately my books just go ahead and sink, and uh, it's they're they're really good tablets. They really are. <laughs> I have to say, and I'm like, wow, the screen looks good. This is a nice tablet. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm looking at that page right now. I I I, I admire Amazon. They, they, sometimes they got some front. So it says tiny price, big fun. One point eight times more durable than iPad Air two. How have they calculated? <laughs> That's a little. Where, where did where did one point eight come from? 
I presume there must have been some drop testing involved. <laughs> I, I, I got to imagine because how, how do I? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. You know the Echo Dots, and you know the uh, the the big Echo. It seems intriguing to me, except it it fits nowhere in my life at all. Nowhere. Yeah. And I I kind of want one, but I can't ever I can't imagine ever needing to use it or even wood using. It's, so I'll I'll tell you what we use ours for because I I've got to admit my wife was fairly skeptical when I bought bought ours. I bought bought it at a discount when it came out because when they launched it they said for Prime members there was uh, fifty pounds off. I figured I might as well grab one while it's cheaper. Um, we use it pretty much every day. Uh, we, it runs internet radio in our kitchen, so when we go out, we turn it on for the dog, so that so that he's not just sat there in silence. So there's some noise around him makes mm-hmm. him feel a bit better. And it is incredibly cool. So that any one of us, not just one of us, any one of us, can just shout the thing as we're walking out the door. Echo, play smooth radio, and it turns itself on. And then we come in and go Echo off, and and it's off. They got the um, all new Fire HD8 tablet now. That's the one yeah, I have. That's the one that they sent me a year ago. This one's new. My, what's new about it? It's got all new on the box. <laughs> hmm. I'm looking at it and it looks exactly. You know what? Uh, HD Fire HD8. Let me look at that at my Mac because I know I have the seven. And I'm pretty sure the one that they sent me last year was uh, okay. Fire HD. It says here on their site that it had it's got 12 hours battery life, double the storage, and 50 spent more RAM for faster performance. So yeah, the one I have is awesome. eight gigs. Yeah, yeah okay, yeah. so they doubled it. Um, I paid 149. Well, I didn't pay, but that's how much it cost. Uh, you can get a 16 gig now, twice as much for 89.99. Or a thirty-two for a hundred and twenty. I mean, so they're definitely cheaper. But other than that, it looks like it's about the same. Yeah. Um, they never sent me the HDX, the eight point nine one. I wish they would have. Uh, yeah. So I'm looking at it, and I don't see any other thing that's. Uh, speed, same speed. It's pretty much the same one, so that's probably why they didn't send it to me because it's really not a yeah. big difference. Different colors, though. Mm. I like the red. I like the black the best. Hell, I'll take the pink one. Um, <laughs> it's a good. It's a good choice if you don't want to spend that much money for an iPad. Absolutely. Yeah. And look, David, you and I are into retro stuff to begin with. So when it comes to the not super high end stuff, we're we're kind of suckers for that. And as such, did you see the email that I uh, BCC'd you on? Uh, yes, I did. Are you a little jealous? I am. <laughs> so obviously, I about it. <laughs> obviously, I haven't got it yet because this was yesterday. I think. I think it was yesterday. Um, Western Digital is supporting the Raspberry Pi. They're coming out with a line of drives. They're micro SD cards, but preloaded with OS is already on them and a lot of storage space. And the prices don't look too bad. Um, this is this is an expansion of their previous line. I have 
uh, one of their earlier models, which is uh, the little hard drive. Right. Um, they did one that was... Um, it was quite cute, actually, when they did this. It was It's 314 megabytes, because, of course, Pi is 3.14. You see what they did there? I'm ignoring it. It's too, it's too obvious. <laughs> but um, the original one was just the drive itself and a cable, uh, and the drives are specifically optimized to run off the level of power that a Raspberry Pi can put out of its USB port. Right. Um, and, you know, you can configure them up with different partitions and stuff like that. But basically what they've done now, um, and this is the stuff you're getting, is they're making it a lot more user-friendly. So you can get um, a, a USB flash version that you can actually stick in your Pi, or you can get... Um, stick you can get in your the, Pi. Stick in your Pi, yeah, exactly. Or you can get one with a... a the drive can take a um, an SD card mm-hmm. to kind of boot the system up and get it running and then allow you to do multiple partition management on the drive, which is very cool, and that's what I'm really jealous for, because I wish I could do that on mine. That's what I'm going to do with mine. So I'm... I- I'm looking forward to playing with it. He's going to send me the kit. The thing is with the Raspberry Pi is that if you want to do loads of different things with it, you either have to have loads of them or you have to have loads of little cards. And the problem with the cards is managing those is a bit of a nightmare. You can't even write on them. They're too damn small. Yeah, they're too small for a label or anything. And so actually keeping track of what you've got where and not dropping them on the floor and all of that sort of thing is a pain in the neck. So if you want to kind of try different things, say you want to do the retro uh, Pi uh, arcade system you've done, um, and then you maybe want a a desktop environment, a Linux environment for for messing around with that, and then you want to try maybe a couple of different hardware projects for different things, um, having it all on a a single drive that you can switch between the partitions is going to be hugely convenient. Yeah. I'm looking forward to playing with it. I don't know how long it's going to take to get here. It It might show up today. I don't know. I, I don't have time right now, to be honest. Yeah. Um, it looks kind of cool. What is this last thing that I've got? It's haven't, haven't even taken it out of the box. Uh, this is for an Amazon review they sent me. It's from StarTech.com. It's a what is that? A two-port dual-display USB KVM switch with audio and USB hub. Sounds cool. Very you cool. You can you can uh, look this up on Amazon if you want the part number. Let me know when you're ready. Yep. It is SV231D as in dog, P, two more Ds, UA. So I'm, I don't know what I'm going to do with it yet, to be honest with you. Now, they advertise the fact that you can use a HDMI adapter to a display port, and you can... Right. Uh, you, you could do that as well. So I'm thinking about, honestly, you remember the little PC that I was originally using for my mini arcade build that I've now switched over to the RetroPie? Yeah. I'm thinking about hooking that up to this and then that to the big monitor in front of me and then just switch between the Mac and the little tiny PC running Windows 8.1. Although I'm, at that point, I think I'll upgrade it to Windows 10. Yeah. Um, and see if it works. But it looks like I still need... It's a KVM switch, I shouldn't. But let me pull it out of the box here. I did open it and like looked at it for all three seconds yesterday. Um, man, this looks like I need... Well, no, that... Okay, never mind. Maybe not. What's on it the look, back for it, the video? Yeah, huh? What's on the back for the video? Is it VGA or is it 
DVI or HDMI? Uh, no, it's just uh, DisplayPort. DisplayPort, okay. Yeah. But it looks like I need to run... I'm trying to figure out where I would pu- plug in USB to, to power both computers at the same time. You know, for the keyboard and the mouse. Um, mm. Well, wouldn't this supply the power? No, I mean, to... to I'm one. I don't understand. It, it. This is. It looks a lot different than any KVM switch I've had before because it's got two DisplayPort inputs for each PC, uh-huh. and then two more that says console. That's right, because you need to have you have a connection to each of the computers, and then you have one that goes out to the console. So that's where you run your keyboard, mouse, and monitor from to actually control the two computers. Yeah, but that's... Oh, yeah, you're right. Yep. Yeah? Okay, yeah. Yep, yep, so that's yep, how yep. it works. Yeah. But why is there two DisplayPort... So that it can get video input from your computer and display it on your local monitor. So no, but play. there's two for each one. Oh, two for each one? Yes, that's what I don't understand. Uh, if you look maybe, at the picture maybe. on Amazon... You'll see yeah, PC1 and I, PC2. I'm, I'm on the British site, and I can't find it. So, okay. Um, um, that doesn't make maybe any sense. What, maybe what it's designed to do is so that you can control the computer, but you can also output that, that to, say, a projector or something like that as well. So you can control the computer, but also have it displayed somewhere else. Hmm. Oh, dual display. That's the answer. So you can have two monitors sharing between two different computers. That's right. what it is. Okay, I got it. That's actually kind of cool. <laughs> mm, yeah, it's cooler than I was thinking because I was looking at that thinking, well, I don't get it. I mean, if I'm just coming from the computer, two different computers into um, another monitor, I only need one video input uh, for each computer and then one out. But I've got two inputs and two outputs. That well, technically four inputs two for each computer, and then two outputs that I didn't get it, but it's right in the name. Dual display port. So you can hook up two displays. But yeah, yeah, okay. I got it. I got I think, it now. I think that's definitely a, a niche product for a certain use. Oh, absolutely. Certain yeah. yeah, and I, I'm not going to be able to take advantage of the dual aspect because I'm only running one dual dis- or one um, display port monitor, not two. Because my other monitor is the 15-inch MacBooks Pro. I just open the lid and I've got two monitors now that span. Hmm. It's still interesting. I'm, I'm going to uh, find time soon to uh, play with it. I think I'm going to have to buy a cable, though. So yep. I'll probably wait to after the holidays, honestly. Or, or Mono Price. Yeah, something. I, I bet OWC has a sale right now with a Oh yeah. yeah, but I got to get the. I think I've got a HDMI to DisplayPort adapter, but I think it's HDMI to Mini DisplayPort, which won't do me any good. Isn't it? Isn't it kind of annoying that there's so many different freaking video standards? Yes. Yeah, I I hate it. I hate no, it. And every single one of them comes in three or four different sizes as well. It's just uh, yeah. Well, I don't understand why they're. Mini DisplayPort does exactly the same thing as a DisplayPort, right? It's just yep. a smaller... 
So why have regular display ports? Just make them all mini display ports. Make them all mini. Smaller yeah. is better. So, ugh, makes no sense to me. So now to, to use this, this is what I'm going to have to do. Out of my MacBook Pro, I'm going to convert. I need a I need a mini display port cable to a display port, right? Mm-hmm. Now you could buy the cable that has that already, or you can buy just a, a display port cable and then have a mini display port to display port adapter. So there's one adapter, and then that will go into the switch. For the PC that I have. I have VGA or HDMI output, <clears throat> and I think I have. Well, that's that's mini display port, so I'm going to have to get a HDMI to display port adapter, and then go to the KVM switch and regular display port, and then another cable, a display port to display port cable, to power the monitor. Ugh. Ugh. And then I'm not even talking about plugging in keyboards yet. Yeah, because I still have to go USB to each one of the computers, so I have mouse and keyboard. And then I have to go out of the mini display port, or out of the switch to my mouse and keyboard so I can control both computers. That doesn't really sound like fun at all. kind of does, though. <laughs> Because yeah, you know how satisfying it is when you get it all working correctly? Yeah, but the problem is, is, is like you say, getting it all working correctly means putting it all together and then realizing you're missing the one little part that's making it all Yeah, work. and it's always one little stupid adapter. Yeah, and that's when you kind of lose enthusiasm. Mm. Okay, with that, before I lose my enthusiasm, we're going to wrap up this episode of Tech Fan. If you want to get a hold of us, it's real easy to do. We'd love to get feedback from you guys. It's the show at techfanpodcast.com. Of course, you can also go to techfanpodcast.com and leave a message. Or the mothership, mymac.com. Simply go to techfan1, or I'm sorry, 282, and uh, leave us a message, and we'll find it there. We're also on the Twitter, and we're also on the Facebook. So hit us up with messages. We love them, and we'll read them right here on the show, won't we, David? We certainly will. Talk to you soon. See you then.